and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-hosts, Hannah and Katya, and this time I said Hannah, on last week's show I actually called you Mav, and it made it through editing. What? <laughs> and you answered. It was weird. I was like, how did that happen? I, uh... You know, sometimes you just get into a pattern and yeah. you just know what to say and when to say it. Um, Last week's show, I said, I'm Mav and I'm here with my co-host Wayne and Katya and Mav. How's it going, guys? And you answered. Maybe we just, maybe we just don't pay we attention don't, to what you we say. We don't actually listen to you. We just know how this goes now. <laughs> Um, so, yeah, um, you answered. And so I guess you're me now. I don't know. <laughs> it didn't bother no. anybody. no. I'm still me, and I and I'm I'm happy being me. And there's I don't no even one, know how I did that. There's no one. I don't as know anybody else named Matt. me? I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know. Maybe you just you just really admire me, um, or something. I, I don't know. I, I, it was weird. I'm like, how did I not catch that? How did no one catch that? And like I said, and I didn't even catch it on the first audio edit. I caught it when I was editing the the YouTube video. So it was bizarre. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, I guess that's just a thing now. <laughs> um, I want to point out that you didn't ask us how we were doing because you just launched into this very strange yeah. moment in our podcast history, I guess. And I actually uh-huh. had a positive answer for you this week. I'm sorry. How are you doing, Hannah? <laughs> I'm doing much better now that I have a Nintendo Switch on the way after a year of being unable to get one. It only took forever. Only forever. I'm jealous. And, I have and, no Nintendo Switch. And, and it's the Animal Crossing edition, so it's like blue I, and okay. And, and no, blue and I green. Am, I don't know what the colors are. I am kind of jealous of that, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but your island is really nice, and my island doesn't exist. My island is currently a disaster because I decided, fuck it, I'm redesigning the entire thing. <laughs> so it so will be an, nice. So I've got an Intellivision. Does everybody remember Intellivision? I just wanted to feel included. That's not. That's not. <laughs> no. Oh, so, in, in, speaking of things that Mav doesn't have, um, that's what this episode is about, in a way. Yes. My, my understanding is that we are going to do a deep dive into the 1970s hit American Girl by Tom Petty and the Heart, Heartbreakers. That is what we're doing on this episode, and I am here for it. Am I right? Um, no. No. Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> we are we're doing um, I, okay, first of all, I've never made that association in my life, and I don't want to. I, I don't. I would like to undo that association. I, I'm undoing it right now. Um, so today, what we're really talking about is American Gen- Girl. They, they were released in 1986 by Pleasant Company, and I was on the internet last week, the week before. I don't know. Time goes, you know. Um, I was on the internet, and I was like, oh, they're re-releasing the histor- the original six historical dolls. And instead of spending a total of $900 on all six dolls, which is what it would cost to buy them, which we can get into later, I texted Katia and said, but what if we did an episode on American Girl and all things related? And then, So is this like a GoFundMe scam kind of thing like, to get no, your dolls? I feel like 
<laughs> we also is this is this the first time we've had an episode just like on toys? I feel like it might be. Yeah, just on toys. Yeah, but before we do go too deep, we've talked about toys before, but just on toys. This might be. And the to first be fair, one. this is not yeah. just on toys because there's books and other things sure. like movies associated with it, and the books are you know like the things I really held on to. But we can get into that in a minute. Can I introduce a guest? <laughs> yes, I. You know, my understanding of the American Girl dolls is I've seen them. I've bought toys for toys because they have they have accessories that I have bought for my nieces who have American Girl dolls or don't, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but also um, beyond that, you know, I just knew the Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers thing. So so I invited a guest who knows more, somebody who knows several things about this. Monica Giraffa. Welcome, Monica. Hey, thank you so much. Monica is a fashion historian. And when we were planning this show and Hannah said she wanted to do the show, uh, Katya mentioned, well, you know, there's some really interesting things fashion about the, uh, that we could talk about with American Girl Dolls and Mav, don't you know a fashion historian? I was like, I do. I do know a fashion historian. So <laughs> I invited Monica. I was like, do you know, do you want to talk about fashion and American Girl Dolls? And also, do you know anything about American Girl Dolls? And you said, <laughs> I know a lot about American Girl Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Perfect. Um, so, so hopefully you can make up for my, you know, lack of understanding beyond Tom Petty. So I, I feel like we don't always do this, but I just really think it could be useful for us to talk about our history. Maybe not math, but the rest of us, our history yeah. with American Girl. <laughs> and like, I do have a slight history. Yeah, you, Great. Let's, let's start with math then. Yeah. Okay, my history with American Girl dolls is, um, I mean, I knew they existed. And when my nieces were uh, eight and four, um, they both got very into them and decided that they wanted them for Christmas. And my sister-in-law got, you know, that was their, their big Christmas present one year, um, or one of the big Christmas presents one year was to get American Girl dolls, except for it turns out American Girl dolls are stupidly expensive. So instead yeah. they, got, <laughs> they got My Life dolls, which is a Walmart knockoff of, of American Girl dolls, which is compatible. They have the same dimension, so they are clothing compatible and everything. So that's what they got. And um, for Christmas, Christmas presents from all the rest of us, like from me and my wife and my other brother and his and his family um, and my aunts and uncles like they, they got a collection of American Girl doll um, clothing and accessories and um, uh, bunk beds. I bought them bunk beds from that were that um, for their two dolls. And then uh, also my niece, um, Sophia, also eventually bought herself a second my life doll with her own money which to this day i mean she's like 10 now but she was four at the time and she to this day she is very proud of having saved up the 30 dollars to buy the walmart um doll um of, of her on her own when she was four and i promised her i'd mention that um but that's that's my my history with american girl dolls beyond that i know nothing I do know that they're expensive because of that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, honestly, that yeah, that that brings up like an important point. I feel like we should eventually talk about. Uh, what about you, Monica? Um, so my experience with American Girl dolls is sort of uh, 1998 to like 2004, um, which I feel like in American Girl doll history is this like very pivotal moment because that's the space where they get bought by Mattel and where mm -hmm. they expand to starting to ha like actually have retail stores and not just operating off the catalog model. So I had two. I had Samantha, 
Um, and then I had one of the ones that uh, looked like you. Um, and one year for my birthday, my mother took me to the Chicago flagship store to have tea, which was like still to this day as an adult. I'm like, wow, that was one of like my best birthdays ever <laughs> was getting to go to the flagship store and have tea with the, my doll because my mom... Um, I grew up in a family of like Madame Alexander doll collectors and those like they sit on the shelf. You do not touch them. You do not change their clothes. And so my American Girl dolls were treated very similarly. And so this was the only time my American Girl dolls were allowed to leave the house. And so like wow. it was a really big moment because they were so expensive. So it was like, you better keep it nice forever. <laughs> um, and I had a fair amount of um, accessories. Um, the probably the biggest, uh, most enviable thing of all of my friends who also had American Girl dolls was that I had the horse. So that was like a big Ooh. deal at the time. <laughs> um, I recently, I know, I recently learned in my research that they also made a carriage to go with that horse, and I never got the carriage. But like, what? if there was a thing that I was going to go back through and like spend my money on as an adult, it would be the horse carriage. <laughs> yeah, so that you you are a grown up now. This is a thing that you can do. Um, um. And I'm then, sure it's probably oh, it's expensive. super expensive because they didn't make it for very long, and it's very detailed. Um, it was part of Felicity's collection too, so it's also like um, historic. I think I remember when that came out. I think it, like yeah, that was like a very limited yeah limited availability. And then um, that was sort of my doll experience. But then I know we mentioned that they have the books too, and I read every single book and had every single book because. For my parents, this was very much like an educational toy. And so like it, it wasn't really about the doll. It was about the the history and the, the research and the, the learning that went with it. Holy shit. You can buy one on eBay for 700 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the horse? The carriage. Uh, the carriage. The carriage. Um, there's a there's one for $175, there's one for $99, and there's one for $700. And um, I, I feel like they're in varying states of repair. Wow. With the $700 one, if because I also did this research on eBay and was like, do I? <laughs> um, is is new in box and includes yes, that's all it. of oh. the pieces. Yeah. Ooh. I appreciate that you just know what listing he's looking up off the top of his head. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did a lot of research this week, which is amusing because I, I probably didn't need to. <laughs> um, and then my other big uh, American Girl Doll connection is um, my very first college internship um, was at Colonial Williamsburg in the millinery shop in the historic trades division. And American Girl started because the creator went on a trip to Colonial Williamsburg and was like, what if there were dolls uh, that taught history? And so a lot of Felicity's story is based off of real locations in Colonial Williamsburg. So and I was working in the dress shop. So the amount of little girls who come in with their Felicity doll, like was just part of the like museum interpretation experience. I feel like 90% of this episode is just going to be me occasionally gasping and like having a little like, oh my God, oh my God, cool thing, uh, panic. So, and that's different that. than our show Maybe other times. Wow. I, but this is like, this, this is, is our this childhood. Is the we had a cuteness with Sailor Moon. This is right in the childhood, man. It's not a complaint. I, I think it's delightful. So Hannah, what about, what, what is your storied history with American Girl Dolls? So... Uh, I just I have vivid memories of looking through the catalogs with my mom and my sister 
And thinking about all the dolls I wanted, but we, we couldn't afford all the dolls I wanted. So I definitely have some like lookalike dolls for some of the characters still, like Josefina. I, I didn't get the American Girl doll, but I have a doll that looks kind of like the character. My mother uh, got my sister and me Bitty Baby for Christmas, and we have so many Bitty Baby accessories. And I was talking to her uh, a couple of days ago, and I was like, but was Bitty Baby for me or for you? And she was like, yeah, it was for me a little bit. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I will say I was that I have been angry at American Girl um, in my childhood one time, and that one time was... Um, I, I guess this is a audio show, so most listeners don't know what I look like. But I have very curly hair. And American Girl didn't make the girl that looked like you dolls with curly hair for a long time. And then finally, my parents were like, we'll just get you one with straight hair. It's fine. And then they bought it. And then the, the next catalog came out and they had a girl with curls. Just <laughs> and that's what you do. You know, you like buy you buy something, you settle and then it happens. But apparently it's like hard to take care of like curly hair for American Girl dolls. There's like a whole like red tutorial on it on the subreddit about it. I so, can, I you can know. believe that. So, you know, I, I, I guess maybe I dodged a bullet. Um, my, my American Girl lookalike doll was more well-dressed than I was because I had no fashion <laughs> sense. I probably still don't, um, to be honest. Um, but I, I read all the original six characters. And for those of you who were not as super into this as us, that's Felicity, Kirsten, Josefina, uh, Abby, Molly, and Samantha. That is not in historical order. Um, uh, and then Kit Kittredge came out, uh, and she was my absolute favorite because she was super into baseball and journalism. And that's how I learned about the Great Depression. Uh, and then I sort of like <laughs> aged out before like Kaya was introduced, um, who is the like indigenous character from the Nez Perce mm -hmm. tribe. Yeah. And now I look at the website and I'm like, I don't recognize a lot of these characters. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm trying to. I mean, I, I, I guess it's great that you learned about the depression from your dolls, but it's also sad. And I don't know. American Girls dolls are intense. Okay, okay yeah. look, I'll tell you what I was doing before we started recording, which was I was reading Meet Kirsten and texting Katya my reactions, which is her best friend dies of cholera on the ship on the way to America. <laughs> And I was, Isn't that like in the first, like, they, they talk about that in like the first couple chapters? Yeah, they talk about cholera, and then her best friend just straight up dies, and Kirsten's like, I need to go see her, and like, Marta's family and Kirsten's family are like, no, you cannot go see her. And then when she gets to America, so she's like Swedish, um, and can't speak English um, in the first book. And there's a scene where she gets lost and separated from her father, and she's like lost in this crowd and she's like i don't know are they going to leave me are they going to leave new york without me and it's just frightening and it's a whole lot um yeah uh so and then i i read i read josefina's uh story too and like her mother's dead and that's sort of like the inciting like action it's very much about grief um so i mean S samantha's entire story arc is like okay anti-sweatshops and child labor mm -hmm. during the industrial did, revolution yeah. 
Mm-hmm. My understanding is that there's a lot of darkness in in the American girl mythos. Um, you said it was, you know, let's teach kids about history and history is not great. A lot of times, you know, yeah. it, 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 my understanding is it's not or I mean, maybe it is. And you guys will tell me about it, but um, it's not as whitewashed as it could be. So there's a lot of oh, and children worked in sweatshops like this one. And look at our yeah. doll. <laughs> you know, so like, I think there's, there's like a real commitment to having some kind of like like substantive history. I mean, there are some things that they I think some of the books like they're not graphic, like massive, like they're not as gra- well. OK, this isn't like Upton Sinclair. It's not as graphic as it could be. Mm-hmm. As far as like children's literature, especially if you remember, like most of these books are meant for like, you know, grade school to Ten-year-olds. middle school. Yeah, right. Like, the characters are like eight, like, nine, for, usually for that age group. It's 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 a, it's more than you normally see. It's pretty intense. I had to I had to like talk about my mom with my mom about like what dolls I had. So I had and my mom, I didn't like decide that I wanted these dolls. My mom found these dolls. So really, these dolls were for her. <laughs> So I had Josefina, Samantha, Felicity, uh, and I think Kirsten. Uh, and I had I had almost entirely the historical ones, and most of them were pre twentieth century because that's what my mom was really excited about. And I have also been to the Chicago flagship store. Honestly, even if you are not an American Girl doll person, but you like toys, it is a fabulous place to visit. I haven't been in years, yeah. but like when I went, it was delightful. Highly recommend. Um, I'm sure it's only become more in, like crazy and delightful. Um, and I also went to some of the events because they do like did, like satellite events. We went to like a Samantha's ice cream social one year for my birthday as well. Very memorable, um, especially because my mom. So my mom is a, my mom sews. She made for both the dolls and me historical, like historically accurate children's clothing. Mm. Um, that matched the period of the doll. So I had like an appropriate, let's see, like like Samantha and I had like matching like Victorian outfits down to the boots. Like <laughs> my mom found so that like literally me and the doll have the exact had the exact same boots. There's pictures of it, and she and she even made some of her own designs on some things. She's like very so. Like I said, these were for her as much as they were for me, which is why they are still like you know my mom. My mom still hoards them. I don't think we've gotten. You know, I'm like 31 now, and I, I think all of it is still still in my parents' house. Um, I didn't, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of any of the modern ones. I don't think I did. I really, I think I I had too many by the time, like, the ones, like, the, like, like Kit and everything started coming out. And I was just, and, like, I think my parents were probably like, no, we already have four of them. This is, this is ridiculous. Um, but, yeah. So you're not going to, you're not going to be spending $900 to get the historical <laughs> anniversary collection. No, but honestly, it's probably if my mom listens to this episode, uh, she might. <laughs> but I mean, you already have but, four um, of the I six, read, so. <laughs> I, yes. Yeah. And I think actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think I have Abby, too. So I have five <laughs> of the six, actually. Which one oh, am I missing? So just on. the other one. Yeah. Are you missing Molly? Oh, my God. No, I think we have all six. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrifying. Oh no! Well, to be fair, they were- my mom kept my mom kept buying them because, like, literally, I never asked for them. Like, I really loved them, but I never asked for them. They would just show up <laughs> because I think my mom would find them, and she was just like, "Oh, I want this one." And you know, actually, I now that I'm thinking about it, my mom made clothes for my American Girl dolls too. 
It's an important rite of passage. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. I just realized my parents spent almost a thousand dollars. Granted, it was over the course of like many years. $150 is more expensive than their current lineup, and I think more expensive than they were in like the 90s. Oh, absolutely. But. Absolutely. They're more expensive. Yeah, they're more. I mean, the whole line is more expensive than it was when we were kids, but I uh, just want to know if like I'm, I'm Monica, Monica and Hannah want to shiv Katya now, and like, are, is, there, is there like a thing? I, think, where- <laughs> I can't have six. I cannot have six. <laughs> but I kind of remember I have, I have at least four. I'm gonna have to go to the box now. Oh no! Now I'm regretting not actually going and getting opening the box. I have a question for. I mean, so and I mean, I, I said that jokingly about like you know shiving Katya, um, but uh, well, but but like in all seriousness though, um, I don't know enough about American Girl dolls, but I know the toy collector market and whether we're talking about superhero action figures or beanie babies or cabbage patch dolls and especially with cabbage patch dolls there have been you know there have been legit attacks over this i remember like because i grew up I'm a little older than you guys i grew up in the 80s during the cabbage patch craze and i remember like you grown women 40 30 and 40 year old women fighting in aisles of Toys R Us, like fist fighting and hurting each other and sending each other to the hospital, trying to get a preemie doll in like 1986 and 1987. So was that like a thing? Did, did that happen with not, American Girl dolls? So they're not available in stores for the most part, mm-hmm. other than like the actual American Girl stores, which I think there's one in Chicago. Chicago. Is there one in New yeah. York? They're like yeah. very, there's a yeah. very limited number. So it's mostly online orders. So recently they've expanded. And actually, weirdly, there was a temporary store in Raleigh. Oh. Uh, cool. but not uh, while I think we were in graduate school which it's probably best I didn't know that anyway like likely um, I think like you also remember that these were and are expensive like mm-hmm. I don't I think I think that's the other thing is like I think even just in our stories your 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 parents and realistically most likely your mother but you know we're not we're not hating on guys that love historical dolls too mm-hmm. we're non-binary humans um but like I think you have to have a parent that's invested in what American Girl dolls are and represent. Like Hannah mentioned, like it's it being an educational experience because they're not ex- they're not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can buy a doll and really a high quality, fairly nice doll for much less expensive than American Girl doll. If you're getting an American Girl doll, you are buying into the idea that this is a historical doll, and especially if you're buying the books, that it's there's there's an educational aspect to it. Um, I, like I don't. I don't think, which I, yeah, I think it's a different kind of thing than like the cabbage patch frenzy. Mm. There, there is a comment that sort of speaks to this Mav. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, Mark Marshall just says his wife has been re-exposed to the brand through her niece and daughter, and has become an expert. She's a part of Facebook group for collectors, intended to share pics, answer questions, and sometimes sell to each other. Mm-hmm. Not a day goes by that I don't hear about the eBay price hikes, the cutthroat mentality of Uber collectors, or the clicky popular girl attitude. Some of them project passive aggressively towards others in the group. My wife likes having something to share with our daughter, and also an opportunity to enjoy something she didn't have in her childhood looks for bargains rare e-buy finds that are reasonably priced or caches in online books to afford new accessories she knows how to identify a pleasant company original versus the newer models which ones have better hair etc as far as the re-releases she'd rather spend money piecing together an original but can see the appeal especially for newer or returning fans so apparently there is some of that especially now on the internet well i'm wondering there's a point during cabbage patch mania where 
Uh, so they're 30 ish dollars, um, which is probably about 80 ish dollars in current things. So it's, uh, American Girl dolls retail for what, like 150 or 200 or something like that? No, that's, that's, the, that's, that's the historical dolls. It's like 110 ish for, okay. well, the, the historical classic dolls. It's like 110 ish on the website for some of the like okay. newer <laughs> historical dolls. It's, it's, they have a lot mm. of different price points. Okay. So they're a little more expensive, but at the time, Cabbage Patch was a was a major status symbol, like um, not so much for me because gender roles and I was a boy. But um, but there was there was definitely at the you know, when I'm in third and fourth grade, the cool girls had Cabbage Patch dolls. Like if you weren't if you didn't have a Cabbage Patch doll, you you were lame. You know, all the cool kids had them. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And then like. The, there was like a definite resurgence. I, I mentioned that my my nieces wanted them when they were like four and eight six years ago, and um, they're now. And there was definitely status then, like you know, even at four and eight, they wanted them because well, my friend has an American Girl doll that looks just like her. I want one of these, right? So there's there were cool points associated with it, and all of you told the story sort of very much. And, you know, some of our commenters said this too. Carolyn Salvi has been on our show. She mentioned about, you know, being able to play with her daughter and her daughter, not being as interested in it as she was, <laughs> as she is. And you guys mm-hmm. sort of hit it, hit it with that, with your moms. So is the status not the same? Like, it, is it really about, you know, did you like them because it's an it's an opportunity to share something with mom? Or was there any of the, you know, I am the first kid to have the new Samantha doll. Everyone bow before my uh, glory. I'd be interested to hear about people's experiences. I mean, I think for me, it was I really liked the dolls. I, I mean, mm-hmm. hello, I'm a giant nerd. Uh, and it was, it's a different kind of like, and it's, if you are a bookish nerdy child, American Girl dolls were great because you got a toy <laughs> and books. Yeah. Like, like how often do you get, and you got like, and not like, cause like sometimes you see books with like kind of mediocre toys. This is before like Harry Potter and all that stuff. And you had like, you know, that whole like branding thing, but like you very rarely got good toys that had to go with books, like either or vice versa. Either the toy was the thing and the book was like a throwaway piece of garbage or the book was the thing and the toy was a throwaway piece of garbage. Like for American Girl dolls, the, the dolls were amazing and the books were great. And there were so many of them. I also think that like people will talk about connecting with the characters of American Girl dolls and it's not <laughs> and it's not it's it's different I think than connecting with somewhat a different kind of toy because American Girl dolls are characters in books and they have their own personalities and interests and even like reading Josefina's story today she talks about like being afraid of like lightning and snakes and I'm like oh yeah I can relate to that and you know it's it's like sometimes superficial sometimes less so uh because you know like mm-hmm. you're reading about like kids class struggles you know that just people can relate to that thinking about being in a new place you can relate to Kirsten it can be very superficial when you're you know nine to ten years old but there, <laughs> there, you know but there, there there are other you know deeper things you connect with too and so like, like I think that a lot of people liked the dolls because they came to them through the books and I mean like the books were actually my like main entry point into the historical characters because I could afford the books 
and or the public library could allow me to read all of them. I was thinking about this and it's um, more from the perspective of how does one play with an American Girl doll? Um, Because they're Mm -hmm. obviously like they are expensive and they are collected. But as a kid, like the playing with the doll is really like the reading of the book next to your doll, which I feel like is a a different way than you would play with any of these other uh, collectible toys. Like it was really set up as this like individualized experience, um, which was really nice um, under the understanding that like you could do all of this imaginative play on your Mm -hmm. own. And I also sort of thought about the ways that like when you play with a contemporary doll versus a historical doll, it's a little bit different because they don't come with the book. So I think the one that was contemporary for me got more use because there was a sense of like being able to enact your own stories Mm -hmm. versus at the time, I think because of the book, um, my creativity felt limited to reenacting the stories that were in print already. Mm. And, Um, you know, going... Sorry, go ahead. No, period, end of sentence. Go ahead. (laughs) I I was just saying, you know, actually going off of that, I'm pretty sure when I got my contemporary American Girl doll, it came with a storybook to like kind of like write your own story or someone. Like a blank one? Yeah. Yes, yes, I do remember that. Okay. Like a little journal. So is that a a thing you do? Because I'm, again, learning about this. Um, These dolls, the, that you're talking about, the later dolls you're talking about, you're talking about are designed literally to look like you or, you know, a doll approximation of you, you, right? You pick, you get to pick like the hair, you like, you get to pick basically the features of your doll. So like the hair color, the skin color, the things like like, like that. It looks like me in as much as my Animal Crossing character or my creator wrestler in in WWE Smackdown, right? It's a, it's a, yeah, okay. So, so yeah, so so and all three of you had one. I did not have it. I only ever had the historical ones. So I okay. had kind of the opposite experience where for me, like the fact that there was a book with it was like kind of what I enjoyed. Like okay. I enjoyed the kind of role playing aspect of like I'm going to dress up as Samantha and pretend that I'm a Victorian lady and oh learn about labor okay. history at the same time. But and Hannah and Monica, you, you wonder guys why I became the way I am. <laughs> you guys uh, both had the the looks like me dolls. Yeah. And I will say it was very important to me that Samantha mm-hmm. never wore contemporary clothes and the contemporary doll <laughs> never wore Samantha's clothes. Like there was no <laughs> mixing of the the temporality of those two dolls or their interests, despite the fact that like they might both be wearing winter coats and they might both be like enacting Christmas. But something about it, like for me, they had to be separate. I mean, even just thinking about it now, thinking about now, I'm just like uh, that. That why would you do that? It's like asking like the contemporary, like you know, nine, ten year old doll to wear bitty babies clothes. That would just be weird. It would be wrong. Makes sense to me. So, but my question then is: so does the Monica looking doll and the Hannah looking doll? Do you consider? I mean, do you name them Monica and Hannah, or they just? girls that like are yeah they look like me but it's not it's like my oh. uh, judy oh i name i i don't remember what i named if i remember specifically writing the story about a very different girl who had it's a different family okay. yeah i mean like she she did not look like me she did not have curly hair i'm never gonna let That's it go <laughs> <laughs> so for me you, she was named uh after my middle name and she was me so all of the um outfits that i chose were things that were like like she had a little art set because I was interested in painting and she had a little baking outfit because I was interested in baking. Um, like we would have <laughs> never bought her uh, ice skates because I cannot ice skate. <laughs> I was a very Great. particular kid. Okay. <laughs> 
So, okay. So, but, but, but because the reason I'm wondering is because of the way you talked about like the play, Monica said that um, the play with the historic dolls is very much, I am going to sit in bed or on my little chair or, or whatever next to the doll. And I am going to read the story of how Samantha got cholera or whatever the story. I don't know. I, I obviously don't know the actual stories, but like you, the, but like, I'm going to read the story. Um, so they each come with like a little booklet or a novel ish, you know, a kid's book, right? A, a chapter book, I assume. It's a it's a short chapter book. Uh, the like there's there's like it's kind of like a set series. So like the first in the series of any doll is like meet Kirsten, okay. and then there's like Kirsten's surprise, and like Kirsten saves the day, and you know it. Like you see them and then like you go to Barnes and Noble and you buy the other twelve books or whatever. Mm-hmm. Other, so okay, each, okay. So each kid, uh, girl originally had six books, and they might have mm-hmm. added more later. But and then like every single one of them discusses some version of. Uh, the holiday time, their birthday, mm-hmm. the summer. So it's like a year in the life of that child. And then in the yes. back of all of those books, there's a little mm-hmm. historical section that's basically like a huh. like a fact checking yeah. section of like, um, you know, were were children really working in factories and was it really that bad? And here's a photo of some children in a factory. Like th- <laughs> there was that. Le- and then there would be like little like, uh, you know, like for Kirsten's books, they might have some like cute little Swedish words in the back or something like that. Like, like yeah, Josefina's <laughs> book um, is, you know, set in New Mexico before New Mexico was part of the United States and the note in front of the book is like her family speaks Spanish so you will see some Spanish words in this book Hmm. Um, which is I I probably actually my first encounter with Spanish like you're just you know Hmm. reading Um, I mean and also I, I will say like having like read Kirsten's book just now and also uh, listen, I, I discovered a podcast um, called American Girls, which is like they read the books like in order chronologically and they start with the six historic like original six historicals. Uh, and I didn't listen to all of it, but they're two historians revisiting these books after, you know, get into their childhood. And they deep dive into history. And uh, what is what is what is covered in these books and what is not covered is very interesting to them and also me um, because it, <laughs> it, it can it can be real strange what they choose to leave and leave out. And I also I, I've never read Kaya's books but uh, one thing that um, like fans of American Girl like to note is that in developing the character, they like consulted with indigenous people. But there's actually still a lot wrong um, in those books. And I'll have mm-hmm. a link in the show notes. Um, so like representation is like a question that is covered on the American Girls podcast and also like is a big thing in just sort of the company's marketing. Like if you go to the Wikipedia page, it's like these historical gar- girl dolls like cover, um, you know, the, like all, all the characters of these historical periods are from different like ethnicities, religions, like they're, they're a very diverse group. They speak different languages. And, you know, like what, what, you know, I think that American girl is actually interesting as a concept and like, what does it mean to be an American girl, especially since some of the American girls aren't technically American in the sense of like U.S. America mm-hmm. uh, at the time that their stories are being told. Mm-hmm. America in a broad and complicated and yeah. slightly colonizery way. Yes. <laughs> well, that's, that was going to be my next question. So as a 
middle-aged man with no children one of the few things that i know about american is at least part of their identity their marketing identity is that it's supposed to be very much a representation matters get a doll that looks like you we are trying to tell the full story and you're saying that is not accurate or more accurate than other toys but still not great or kind of okay there have been multiple controversies over the years about representation mm-hmm. in American Girl. We'll, we'll put it this way of like, should they have made little white Mary Jo Ellen from the 1950s? Like <laughs> as one of their like most recent contemporary <laughs> offerings? Like probably not. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's hard to hundred percent her name. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah. the things to discuss in the 1950s, they're like, let's put her in Florida and make her obsessed with Hollywood. And it was like, ooh, ooh, of all, of all the stories please, that we can tell. <laughs> please, t- please tell me she has like you know, uh, you know, uh, like like a housewife shirtwaist dress with high heels for vacuuming look. Oh yeah, it's a poodle skirt <laughs> with a full-on little embroidered poodle on there. Of course she does. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wow. it's it's exactly what you kind of expect. Okay. okay. Wow. I mean, okay. I think it's, for me, it's like hard. Like, like, okay. I think part of the challenge is like the inherent is is the inherent challenge of like how do you present history in a real and raw way in a way that's appropriate for children? Because, which is why I hesitate to say that they're like good historic representations, right? Because I think they're better than many examples, but like, I. They're also kind of bound by like, I wouldn't say bound, but like they have to be attentive to sort of like the like the consumer aspect, right? Like they're not going to make an Angela Davis doll anytime soon. I don't think mm. like America is not prepared. Hmm. Like, um, and I don't know, like, like, like imagine what it would look like to make, you know, a Japanese American doll and talk about the history of American internment. Also don't know that the United States is prepared. Like, I think that they're working like they're they're working with the bounds of not only like what people want to buy as toys but also what is the average like American parent willing to kind of accept on a mass scale, right? Because these are really popular. I, I listened to not all, but a couple episodes of uh, the American Girls podcast, and I listened to their analysis of the first Addie book. And Addie was the first black character mm-hmm. in American Girl, and she also begins her first book as an enslaved person in North Carolina. And mm-hmm. the first book chron- chronicles their escape. And also, you should listen to that episode because it's really good. They do really brilliant just textual analysis there. Um, I really enjoy. Anyway, but they they talk about the history of Addie, and you know, there there was a question by American Girl about whether or not a black character would sell. And there's also like the controversy that they cover of the fact that she was an enslaved doll and also a commodity and. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. further further jumping ahead, um, you know, there have been dolls of color that have been retired and American Girl has been like, well, we're moving away from this line. This is a marketing decision. Uh, and, you know, when, when you I mean, when you look at the amount of dolls, there are a lot more white dolls than there are dolls of any other race, just straight mm-hmm. up. And like uh, some some are not represented in the current lineup at all i believe mm-hmm. there's also been a controversy that i learned through again listening to this american girl podcast about uh the fact that american girl also didn't want to create a doll with down syndrome because they didn't believe that it would sell and there's 
there was a petition yeah. on change.org. So like there's all sorts of like things bound up in what people like, like what the company believes will and will not sell and how they make decisions that are disappointing given what idealistically you'd want these dolls to represent. But also mm-hmm. America is not idealistic either. And- right. Which is why I think it's like complicated. Like, are they, are they doing a decent job? Yes. Are they doing a perfect job? No, because it's a toy company and capitalism is capitalism. Um, mm-hmm. And I also kind of wonder like, what would it like, I mean, the, the like Angela Davis doll is kind of facetious. Also, I feel like Angela Davis would have qualms about being made into an American Girl doll um, mm. on so many levels. They're like, all they're all fictional. There are are there actual people? Yes. Oh, there are actual people. They're, well, they're, they're all fictional. Uh, like they're based off of historic. Like in, in some cases, they're based off of historical people. But as far as I'm aware, they're all fictional. So there's no. There I mean, was, there's no Betsy Ross or even or anything. No, or is there? But there was a little bit of controversy because one of the uh, they released a contemporary like Girl of the Year, and a few years ago, the uh, quote unquote Girl of the Year um, is a ripoff of Amanda Gorman. Actually, oh, so she Ooh. is uh, an African American doll. Who happens to uh, like is interested in poetry and dance, and uh, actually Amanda Gorman talks about it in her um, in her Vogue article, which I think is um, last month's issue, if I remember right. Um, and yeah. American Girl like asked her to come to the unveiling of the doll, asked her to read a poem, asked her to dress up in the outfit that matched the doll. And it was like incredibly uncomfortable because they had essentially used her likeness without her permission and then modeled her after the doll to push sales of that doll without ever fully publicly acknowledging that this was the Amanda Gorman doll. Yeah. Yes. So it's so gross. Uh, it, there's there's no other like is this a real person? But it like that's a pretty egregious example of you know it's wow. a real person. <laughs> I'm all for teaching children the the horrors of history starting in age two, but I'm a weird person okay. that doesn't have children. So um so I, I but I don't know like that like that is a that's a complicated issue, right? Like if you're if you're saying that the that. I mean, yes, I I want to learn history and I think having representation matters, but like you don't do representation by literally stealing the life of a real person. You know, that's a, that's yeah. weird. Stealing the identity. Especially because <laughs> like you could just talk to Mormon and be like, hey, would you be interested in being a doll now? And also probably getting a cut of the profits because well, that's that what Mattel does with Barbie. Like, I mean, right. not, that I, not that I'm saying that Barbie is like the bastion of, you know, of anything good. Right. Like that. I think I think there are good and bad points of Barbie. But like Barbie has over the years had many historic uh, historic women, women dolls and they get them by going to whoever and saying, hey, we'd like to make a doll of you. Are you in? You know, and that's and like sometimes they say yes, and then they make them, and that that's a thing that you could do. Amer- Amer- Amanda Gorman has a phone number and presumably an email address. And they, <laughs> you know, or the PR found, people wouldn't have been her. able to like ask her to re- right. read a poem. <laughs> yeah, right. They found her when they wanted to uh, when they wanted to use her. So no, make a deal with her. Like I don't. Wow, that's so gross. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah. That's gross. Yeah, that's, mm-mm. yeah. The one I was aware of was not 
was that uh, there's a Hawaiian doll um, who I have no, I did not realize existed until today. And uh, one of the members of the advisory board, uh, like part of like the story is, is like based on um, a book called Pearl Harbor Child, a child's view of Pearl Harbor from the attack to peace. Um, and like, it, it's, it's like a story that, you know, inspired the doll apparently, but apparently like that, the difference is, is that um, the author of the book was involved in the like shaping the doll to some degree. Um, mm-hmm. There's a link in the show notes about that. So it, yeah. it, so that seems like a better way to approach things, though. I I think that like something I've you know learned um, through like research and listening to podcasts and reading these articles is like it feels like there are advisory boards now to some degree when creating these historical dolls, but a lot of the like uh, creative decisions and like writers are still white. Is it public who the advisory board is? Because that would be fascinating. Like, because an advisory board is great, but it entirely depends on who's on it. I'm not sure how, like, I, I, I know that, like, there are general things that are said that's like, oh, like, um, you know, we, we worked with indigenous people. Um, I'm not sure if they, like, specified who. All right. So the things that I know about American Girl Dolls, um, again, being the person who never had one. Aww. I was hoping for Oz, but oh, um, I would thank, thank you. I'm <laughs> being the one who never had one. Um, I, I know that they at least claim, you know, given what I just learned, um, but they claim to be working towards diversity and inclusion, which is, you know, at least at least in theory, in theory, a positive. But, you know, they're still an American company and capitalist and a capitalist. So, you know, I, I get that. Right. Imperialist and and imperialist. Yeah. And I know about the, I know that they are very popular with grown up adult women who like to pretend that they're for their children. But that's also that's that's a thing that just happens with toys like, you know, you know, I'm buying this 2000 piece Lego set for my six year old. Sure. We're going to put together the space shuttle. Yeah, that's going to happen. You know, those are like there are a lot of toys where it's really for the grown ups. I don't think your moms are that weird by, you know, getting you toys that you're not allowed to take out of the house. <laughs> um, that's the thing that happens. But I, I, I am curious about you know, the other thing that I know is, you know, again, from my nieces who were very into this, I know that there's the outfits and Monica, you even said that, you know, it was very important that you, that the outfits for you, for the you doll and the um, Samantha Samantha doll be historically accurate to their time period. But that means you're changing her outfit, even though because you said most of the plane is just reading the book to the doll. But I presume you still use it the way that one uses a baby doll, which is I'm going to dress her up. And today she's going to wear blue, you know, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So each of the historical dolls um, had a wardrobe that correlated to each book. So they had a minimum of uh, sort of six outfits and the outfit was also the outfit that's being depicted on the cover of that book. Mm -hmm. Um, But then there might be some additional outfits that are sort of like mentioned within the books, but aren't necessarily illustrated. So uh, for example, like Samantha has an outfit um, that she has to change into, to be able to climb trees or to be able to have tea. And, and those might not have been on the cover, but um, those would be sort of like two additional outfits within the wardrobe. And you, I mean, all outfits sold separately. Oh, of course. And uh, in in most most Mm -hmm. cases, the outfit and the uh, accessories are also sold 
separately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, oh, so you have to go buy the tea kit separately. Oh yeah, like yeah. if you want to get deep into American Girl, welcome to spending hundreds, if not. Like I'm not like having like stress flashbacks thinking about how much my parents must have spent. I'm really glad my mom made made most of our stuff because I was going to say it's not just the dress and the tea set, but it might also be mm-hmm. like the hat and the hair ribbons and the tights and the shoes yep. and like some mm-hmm. tiny little extra version of the actual outfit that goes on the doll's body is sold separately. You can also well. get tiny editions of the books that were doll sized that were like printed inside like they were actually the full book. Oh, so the doll can read the book. It's a the doll can read the book mm-hmm. while you're reading the book. That's, I don't know if they still make those, but I, I think I still have a couple. Can you it's, get a little doll for the doll? Yes. Like, can you get Samantha? Actually, a little, yes. Awesome. So you can get Samantha a baby, I mean, a tiny Samantha doll. Yes. There's the miniatures and like also in the books, I don't remember if they, I, I'm sure they sold it. Kirsten has her own rag doll. Like they have their own toys. Like Biddy Baby had oh. Biddy Bear, and you could like when you bought stuff for Biddy Baby, Biddy Bear had matching stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it, it was a whole thing. Well, but 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 I meant specifically American Girl dolls. So they have American Girl dolls that the American Girl dolls can use. Yes, use. <laughs> That's so cool. So they had- because now I can just like I can just I can inception this forever and just can constantly sell you more and more expensive, tinier and tinier oh, things. Absolutely, oh, that's, that's like awesome. the entire American Girl doll experience. Like <laughs> the, the miniature and there's that. events, and there's like yeah, and then there's all the events mm-hmm. you can go to, and some of the events have like special things that you can only buy in person, or there's things that are exclusive to the store. Like it is like take everything from like niche toy collecting with like a a popular yet niche toy, and that's it's it's because it's for kids and it's for adults. I think because of that. Because it's expensive and because it's a collector's item. I think especially now that there's a generation that grew up with American dolls in like the 90s. Mm-hmm. It's now having children. I'm, I'm sure many people who had American Girl dolls as kids are now buying them for their for their kids, for their children. Like it would it would shock me if that was not the case. Amelia, mm-hmm. not not a person with a child who will buy dolls for her child that don't exist. But I did find out this week that they've changed Kit's outfit from the original. And that's like this really upset mm-hmm. me. They've changed most of them. And from like a historical, obviously none of these clothes are like historically accurate, accurate. Sure. From a historically accurate perspective, the stuff that they brought out, there was really like, it might have been like more adult than actual like child's fashion of the time. But there was this mm-hmm. attempt to really think about like what the actual fabrics and materials would have looked like. Um, and then in the new dolls with all of the like wardrobe changes, it's a little bit like when you go into a, and maybe this is too niche of a reference, but when you go into a costume house, there's always clothes that are meant to look historically accurate. And then there's always a section of like dresses from like musicals that were made mm-hmm. in like the Technicolor era that are like not historically mm-hmm. accurate, but they were like, wow, look at all this color. And and that's how all of the dresses now for all of the contemporary designs look is they've really abandoned any attempt at historical accuracy. And it feels a little bit more like the um the really bright Halloween costume version of what all of these clothes used to be in a way that's really sad because mm-hmm. when you push out this narrative of like we're teaching kids about history um mm-hmm. it really felt like there was a greater attempt to do that when they were originally released mm-hmm. well and i mean how much of that though is like kind of the theatrical aspect i know that you were saying of like 
there's often a difference between what is historically accurate to what reads historically accurate for the average person who probably mm-hmm. doesn't know anything about the fashion of these periods, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I always go back to flapper, like flapper fashion, because what people think a flapper looked like actually looked like is so radically different from how flappers actually right. dressed. That's a movie adventure. My example is cowboys always. Right. Cowboys didn't really exist. I mean, there are people who tended cows, but the thing that is in your head when I say cowboy is not a historically accurate thing. That's all a Hollywoodized thing. So I assume that, well, so, I mean, Monica, I mean, are you saying they're, they moved from one to the, the more fictional thing? Exactly. I mean, it's a really important distinction and like flapper fashion and and cowboy dress are like really great examples, especially because they were so perpetuated like by Hollywood and cinema that like helped manufacture these perceptions. And and so it mm-hmm. it's very much the original garments are what people thought his like historically accurate was without fully knowing. And then the new outfits are very much this like very costumey version. Um, mm-hmm. a, a really great example, I feel like, is if you look at the um, the redesigns of Julie, who's like the 1970s doll. Like her original wardrobe was like was pretty flowy and pretty loose, and the colors are pretty muted. And now, when you purchase her, the thing that she shows up in is like a peace sign rainbow like tie dye T shirt, mm-hmm. which is just like. <laughs> Not what any photo of a person who lived in the 1970s actually looks like. Um, right. And and that's what I mean of like, we've really started, I guess, perpetuating stereotypes over history. Like they, they've released a 1980s doll. And if you are horrified by the amount of like acid wash uh, denim and leg warmers and scrunchies that you never wore in the 1980s, like, and, and if we're really talking doll inception, she's from 1986 and therefore she comes with her own tiny Molly because that's the first year that American Girl doll was uh, available for purchase. But is it the weird jazzercise Courtney one? Yeah, Courtney. <gasps> She's a gamer though. Oh my god. So I just uh, yeah, I just I just Sorry. found her. Uh, no, well, it okay. So having lived through the 1980s and It's like jazzercise doll. Yeah. So, oh okay. So this is weird because this is like I was around for the 70s, but not as aware of like what fashion it would have been as I. okay, 1980s. um, Courtney is not Courtney is what every girl might wish she could have been in the 1980s. Courtney is what the Courtney looks like, what kids on television during the 1980s. Like, you know, that's not everyday look like I like there were definitely if you tuned into, you know, like. Uh, I'm trying to think of like if you were watching a, a 1980s kids movie, if you watched um, She's like Kids Saved Incorporated, by the Bell. yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. so, yeah, Saved by the Bell, which w- would have been a little later, but yeah, she's but like I, Kids Incorporated was what I was thinking of. If if I were watching something like that, everyone was dressed like this, but nobody I actually went to school with had you know um, this level of fashion because it would be exp- oh my god, she's amazing. This, I mean, that's the thing. That's, <laughs> that's like one of the things. Kind of we're talking about like the sort of historical accuracy and kind of like what they're doing well and doing poorly. I mean, that's one of the I feel like weird things about American Girl Doll because even when you have characters that in their storyline are from lower classes into poverty or like we're talking about Abby slavery, mm-hmm. often the way they're represented because they have to, you know, because they're selling all these accessories and stuff like that doesn't align with that. Like the dolls from the Great Depression still have tons of stuff. Uh, yes, and like. 
whether or not that's historically accurate and whether or not it's necessarily even true to their story. Because if, if I remember correctly, and I might not, like Kit loses her house I think, <laughs> at some point. But, yeah. yeah, her father loses his job. Um, they, they, yeah, they, 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 they do. Yeah, they, they do a boarding house. And like, it's, it's very depressing. Um, right. And but I think like, yeah, like, like the dolls kind of skew towards representing people yes. who have a fair amount like who have means in one way or another well let me tell you about the homeless american girl doll excuse me yes oh, i need to know this uh, so 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 there's a what? so there's a there, there there's something called girl of the year now uh right. and they so every every year they just release a doll and the american girl doll company uh chose to release um gwen thompson a homeless american girl uh and she apparently lives in like a car with her mother and she looks great <laughs> and uh well it's it's sort of more like she costs 95 dollars or like like she costs like you know yeah she she yeah she like costs 95 dollars and and um it, it's it's like you know it's it's like back to the weirdness in particular um of some of these dolls of like should given the economic situation the the class position the subject position of this doll like should this doll be on sale wow I'm looking at the Gwyn doll now. I have so many questions. This is going to be so uh, if you get a chance and if you're one of the people who normally listens to the show just on audio, check the YouTube version because I'm I'm going to be sure to put this up as I'm looking at Gwyn now and I she's homeless, you say. Um, I, I guess good for her because you have no way of knowing. She's also blonde. Like, I feel like that's a very important and very and and very pretty. <laughs> you know, I mean, like it's like she's like I don't know what I don't know what homeless would um would be because other than the fact that they said that she's homeless, like it's exploitive in that. What are you even doing? It's just a, it's just a doll that you decided was homeless. <laughs> you, know, you know, I don't know what you know. She looks like she's got a, she's got a very nice dress on. She's got very a very expensive haircut. Um, what are you doing? <laughs> do, do like do books come with the doll of the year thing, or is it just the doll and you're just expected to just intuit some kind of story that in some way connects with being homeless, despite the fact that the doll has no. They have one book yeah. instead of six. Yep. Okay. I would be fascinated to read that book. However, uh, she is not the book. So that year, yeah, oh, uh, they sorry, released I... three girls, and she's like a side character in the book, and is technically not the girl of the year. She's like part of the supporting cast. That feels even worse. Yeah, and and uh, apparently, uh, no proceeds from the sell the doll went directly to help the homeless. So this so, was like a really shitty cash grab. Um, <laughs> is what I'm hearing. Oh, I, have, I have so many questions. <laughs> I, mean, I don't I, even know how to ask them. Okay, I'm backtracking on what I said earlier about like the historical, they're trying their best. I mean, maybe with the historical ones they are, but this more contemporary stuff. Whoa. Like, this is dang. <laughs> so we said, yeah, we said part of, we said a lot of this gets dark, you know, so. Well, the, like, I guess what, because like my experience is mostly with the historical stuff of reading as a kid, and I don't know as much about the more contemporary stuff. They were dark because the stories and the history that they covered were dark. This is, they need to revisit that advisory board. 
Well, I think, um, I think, I think the advisory board change when they do have an advisory board, I think it changes based on what doll is being crafted. I mean, I think it's just, I, I don't know what it is to say other than this is problematic on so many levels because on the one hand, I mean, it's profiting from homelessness without, for a very expensive doll. So presumably like I'm going to make an assumption that unless you are a person who is scraping together your money, you are probably a person of some means if you're buying this doll. And then to not even make it a central part of the book I or just, donate the proceeds at all, like feels really gross. Well, if she's not, if she's a, I mean, you're saying she's a, if she's a hanger on character, right? She's not a primary protagonist. So you only have her if, because clearly if you're cool, you know, if you're going to buy just one, you're going to get probably one that looks more or less like you or, you know, you know, or one that's just your favorite from the books. Right. But like Gwen can't be anybody's favorite. Right. So I, I imagine she's the doll that you have if you have several I mean, of them. Why can't she be anyone's favorite? Because there's not enough. Because you said she's only got one book, right? I mean, she could be someone's favorite. I shouldn't say like she but can't I guess, like, be. Yeah, because I mean, but, I think it would be. I, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, I just imagine if she's if she's a side character in one book as opposed to the lead character in six books, she's probably you know more people like Spider Man than like you know Frogman is what I'm getting at, right? So like like she can't be the most popular character. So I imagine most people who have a Gwen doll have six or seven or ten American Girl dolls. So now this character only exists as you know sort of a collector's item that you better buy as you're as a rich person to show everybody how woke you are because you're supporting the homeless I mean, potentially i mean i think the uh, potentially because like i would have because we were talking about earlier it's like being drawn to dolls that like people like you you in some way identify with like you know i mm-hmm. you know Right, yeah, right. Like the nerdy ones. And like I could imagine it being a really powerful thing to have a doll where its story is basically like, hey, housing insecurity, because that's the thing that people really deal with. But but if you have housing insecurity, insecurity you're not gonna buy this doll. So yeah, I think you're right. It's yeah. like this is for adults who this is I mean, I'm not gonna say that there's not an adult who now has the means to buy this sure, doll. Sure, sure. Isn't gonna buy it because they connect with that as their, you know, their experience, but just primarily is what yeah yeah I mean I'm sure yeah a, and that's yeah, what feels weird. gross about it is it's basically like commodifying homelessness I mean it's this is a very different example but this is actually like similar to something I think I've talked about the show before but I gave a presentation on is like the way that Banana Republic made Mad Men fashion right because it was basic and but it was basically selling what was presented on the show as secretarial fashion which a was not it would have been very expensive to dress the way that they did in that show and they would not have been able to afford it most likely mm-hmm. on the kind of salaries that a secretary is paid um but then um, at banana republic for women who make substantially more money than the average secretary uh, does in most places so it's sort of the same thing where it's like you are commodifying a different class experience for a class with more means and more privilege and commodifying in a way is inaccurate because as you're saying like the doll does not like you wouldn't looking at the doll out of context you wouldn't know that there's anything about homelessness represented right she's just a pretty baby doll in a white dress like okay i mean and 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 i don't know the solution because i don't want them to make her look like the stereotypical beggar that um that um I mean, is there is there an appropriate way to commodify homelessness? Because I I, I right, agree, right. It's like one, doing one that would be equally as gross. But like, is there a way they could have done it, or if they should have just not done it at all? 
one one critique at the time, uh, which I linked to, was um, someone said part of, like uh, Tanya Tull, Tull um, who's a president of Beyond Shelter, said, "quote She's afraid that they're going to pick up the idea that it's okay um, that's an accepted segment of society that some children are homeless and some children are not." So it's, you know, in her mind, reinforcing the common structural problems in the U.S. rather than... Especially if it's representing, like, a, I hesitate to say glamorized, but I can't think of a better word, like, version of what homelessness looks like. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no connection whatsoever. And it's like, potentially, it's like, oh, well, like, the doll looks fine. Therefore, homelessness must not not be that bad. Right. You don't want to put a doll in beggar clothes either. I don't know what they're going for here is what I'm getting at. I don't either. I mean... Like, and had, had they made it some kind of like, I mean, even making it a charity collector's item feels, I mean, at least if there was like money going to charity or like, you know, for every doll sold, one goes to a shelter or something like that. I will footnote my that previous comment. That would make feel less gross. Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll footnote my previous comment and say, American Girl point out they do give money to like aid the homeless, but the proceeds from the doll don't in case anyone is very into American Girl and wants to point that out. Um, but it's not, it's not, it's still not the same and it's still just... Yes. I mean, if they're donating anyway, it's like if, if the donations are not tied to the doll, which is honestly better, I feel like in some ways, because then it's less transactional. But why can't they just donate to the cause and not commodify it? They they said that they wanted to promote tolerance um, and it was an awareness thing. But I don't buy that argument for all the reasons. That's a great. Even if you take it at face value, like that, that's their intention, which I think is a great and admirable one. I don't think this is how you do it. But and also but, if yeah. they if they if they say that about this particular doll, why do they refuse to make other dolls they don't think will sell? I think I think yeah. I answered my own question by asking that question in that particular way, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe we should move on because I feel like it's just yeah. like this is bad guys. This is really bad. Why would they do this? They should not have done this. I, I feel like we're kind of like going over and over about how this homeless doll is uh a mistake with a capital M. But I think, I mean, I think there's something here though about like the way that she's dressed, not connecting with it. And I'm interested to hear from Monica about more about like, I guess your thoughts about like the fashion in general or about specific dolls and kind of like, I don't know, just your, your take on the experience of playing with these dolls and dressing these dolls. I mean, one thing that we kind of towed around, but didn't totally get to was the idea that of like this fashion being aspirational for nine-year-olds, which is something that's Mm -hmm. really Mm -hmm. interesting to me of like, we are essentially acknowledging like an entirely separate fashion system and value system of like, this is what is not just like fashionable during this time, but what is like considered wanted by someone who's also purchasing these dolls. Because like when you look at the clothes now, Mm -hmm. there was a fair amount of me being like, oh, they were so much better growing up. And it's like, I don't think they are. I think it's just that in my memory is still aspirational, um, like a lot of those clothes. Uh, And so maybe it's not necessarily a like a better or worse thing. But the one thing I'll say beyond like the idea of them becoming less historically accurate over time was that the actual like way that you dress them (laughs) has changed too. Um, Like these dolls used to acknowledge the idea that like period clothing exists in layers um and now mm. everything is sort of like stitched together to be all in one and obviously like they yeah. didn't include every layer um but the idea that like some of these dolls included like little just white like cotton shifts that were supposed to go under their their skirt or their dress or something 
Um, Mm -hmm. and also the amount of like difficulty that I remember having as a kid where I was like, Oh my God, these boots have like real like grommets (laughs) and eyelets that you have to like stitch up instead of just like a little zipper or like Samantha. I loved all that stuff. Samantha came with this pair of like historically inaccurate Mary Jane shoes that were like made of (laughs) leather that would take a good half hour every time you wanted to put them on your door. (laughs) Yeah, I always, I, like maybe my experience was niche but like i really loved that aspect of like but it would take time to dress your doll oh yeah like that was a process which i actually kind of enjoyed because like because like i mean there's it's not surprising that i ended up being a sewing person um and particularly a vintage sewing person maybe but like yeah like the fact that it was a process for me was like part of the part of like the play yeah in some ways it's, it's like it took um, so long dressing it by the time then you're like well now i'm done like <laughs> yeah now i'm tired I totally see, like, what, right. I, like, I could see how that process is not appealing to to ev- to a lot of people but yeah it is kind of sad to me that they've kind of made like everything's been stitched together and it's kind of like one and done i mean and it's also in some ways i feel like why i think i personally enjoy the much more the much more like older historical dolls because it has more of the like clothing as a process because like the ones you go in the 20th century i mean appropriately so are much more like modern ready to wear although that's very cute the 1960s doll um i want that dress yeah it wasn't the same as like dressing felicity right but there was yeah. so much to Biddy Baby's outfit that I was like, I do not want a real child if it's squir- like this is like this one like doesn't squirm, but like imagining trying to put these clothes on a real thing, and by thing I mean human. <laughs> it's not. I don't think this Those is for me. Aren't you? <laughs> Uh, You're saying American Girl dolls made you not want to have children, not want to reproduce. American, like this is this is responsible right here. You're saying American Girl oh, dolls made me realize that I am lucky to take care of myself. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, which actually they did they did like write books called the Care and Keeping of You that actually were very helpful in learning how to like take oh, care yeah. of oneself. My That's kind of neat. The like the book where I learned about puberty was published by yeah. American Girl. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I like forgot about that. I'm pretty sure that's how I learned about tampons. To be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Can you imagine if there was a doll-sized tampon? But wait, wait. Aren't they, aren't, aren't, hold on. Aren't the dolls supposed to be like seven or eight or something? How old are the dolls wait, supposed no, no. to be? So are this is different. No, but they like, had a separate. They had a so American Girl publishes other sort of like educational books for okay. girls that are okay. not associated with the dolls. Yeah, like they, but yeah. yes, they are all supposed to be like young mostly before puberty there's actually a few of the books that go into like the later series talk about going into puberty if i'm correctly i could be not remembering at all but that's important information for somebody like me who's unfamiliar with it there's a book book called like the care and keeping of you i think and yeah it it, like it there's like a section i mean among other things there's a section that's like here's how to like handle your period here's like a tampon here's a pad here's how to insert them and let me tell you that was very helpful for many people i knew growing up especially if you come from a family that that gets very weird about female bodily functions i'm mostly just kind of like is this normal for dolls in general or is it or are they being innovative here because we're talking we've talked a bunch about the ways in which they are at once both kind of progressive and kind of innovative and also just trying to commodify and commercialize as much as they can because they're still a company. So well, it is America is this, an American girl. Yeah, and yeah. Capitalism. It's American girl. It's America. It sure. Is, yeah. I 
mean, I like, think like I know there's a I know there's a pregnant Barbie that was big when I was uh, when I was a kid, right? That was a thing that they did. Are they doing that where they're trying to like are is is this like a normal thing? Are other dolls talking about periods and stuff, or is this just a, an American Girl doll thing? About I mean, now I think that there's a lot that's a, that's more widespread. I don't at the, in the '90s. I don't in the early 2000s. I don't know that I knew of another. I, like I was not aware of any other you okay. know, toys specifically marketed towards girls that were addressing that. There were definitely books. I think like I think that was kind of a growing thing was basically like let's write books and things that like help especially girls, but I think like just kids in general like learn about themselves and health and like all these other things. Um, I poked around the American Girl uh, store, uh, like online store, in preparation mm-hmm. for this episode, and they now have like some books actually geared toward boys. Um, specifically mm-hmm. yeah and so i think like they they were like american girls like the american girl doll you know and company i think has like its moments of of, of being progressive and innovative of, in terms of because you have to remember it's also like it's a doll and a toy company but like education on some level is like pretty integral to a lot of their products mm-hmm. so like mm-hmm. i think that that kind of puts them in their own little niche because like while barbie has these sort of you know, has these 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 sort of products as well. Like, you know, even when you get like Doctor Barbie, there's not a book that comes with it about a story, right? About a lady becoming a doctor. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that puts it in kind of its own little weird bubble. Um, because mm-hmm. I don't. There's not really other. I mean, I think they're still really the main. They're not. They're not only the only toy company that does that, but I think they're still really the main one, especially for things specifically made to, for like people interested in feminine coded toys. You're talking about the generally coded girl thing but maybe that's another like i'm trying to figure out how to even ask this question is that a controversial thing right like the entire idea of american girl as progressive or not as it may be we're still talking about classically coded these are these are girl toys that are i mean it has american girl in the name this is a girl toy it's for girls and we don't want you roughhousing it because it cost 150 dollars so you know it so like it is very it seems like it's designed to sort of promote daintiness and delicacy and traditional feminine values of 10 year olds is that true or is it like i don't know is there an american girl doll that plays rugby yeah they do sell uh like sportier options and i mean kit like her Mm -hmm. her big thing was Mm -hmm. you know like she's super into baseball um but you're right that it is a like those are activities that you would be performing uh separately than your doll because there is this sense of like you do um need to take care of your doll like the, the dolls themselves have these little like strings that come from their head and if you pull on them their head pops off so like and which is, is, is a, like, <laughs> you can't rough house with a yeah you can't rough house with a doll where it's entire like uh design concept uh is that if you play with it too hard the head pops off um because there but, but, there's an entire like sort permanently of, like that's a break or that's like a you can clean it this way no so dolls used to be uh like sort of made in this way where all of the limbs were sort of like tied removable yeah and right. removable mm-hmm. um and american girl has like a very uh elaborate doll hospital so if you do pull on those strings a little too hard and remove the head you can get it retied okay um <laughs> 
And they really, but, it's, but a kid's not doing it himself kid is, or herself. Kid is or, not restringing a doll themselves. Um, okay. The doll hospital itself is really like kind of a, it's a crazy um, concept. So I actually had a doll um, who had a manufacturing defect and these stickers inside her eyes peeled off. So uh, <laughs> I, I actually, I have no, photos. I'll send you photos. You maybe don't want to see those do. photos and you might want to skip over those photos. But um, in the lighter colored doll eyes, um, in the original um, sort of looks like you dolls, uh, it's inside. So you can't like just re-put a sticker on it. Basically like the sticker inside the eyeball peels off. Um, and so I sent it back in and they replaced her eyeballs and sent them back to me. <laughs> and she showed up in a hospital gown uh, w- oh, with a little so medical bracelet because this really like is aimed at kids. Like I, I read a statistic that's like, despite the fact that like your mom is the one doing all the buying and might have been the one who talked you into it, everything in the store is the average height of a nine-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So yeah. it, it really still is meant to have this like emphasis on the the girl as the as mm-hmm. the owner. Teach you consumption right now so that you can pass it on to your daughter one day. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's also sort of what's I mean, yes, it's all consumerist and kind of gross, but I think that's also part of the appeal of American Girl is and again, generational specificity of the nineties. I feel like there are there were so few toy brands that were interested in making things that centered young girls specifically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that and their experience. Like, and specifically, like, there are all kinds of issues with the books and the representation of, of girls, but at the same time, how many other toys were really like foregrounding the idea that like not only do girls have agency, but also girls have had always had agency throughout history, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're not like sitting at home, you know knitting or if they are they're like thinking about the world and they're like engaging with their friends and like they're engaging with what's going on around them like historically and yes like barbie has that but i think also like barbie came to that whereas american girl i think like that seems like it was a focus from the beginning but i also like i i really appreciate how american girl like stories found adventure in the everyday and, it, and of course mm-hmm. the everyday was centered uh in a particular historical context but some of these books have a lot of plot and some of these books mm-hmm. are more like we're we're like chilling uh we're the, like some things happen but like there's no like traditional sort of narrative arc and mm-hmm. and you know it, it really like a lot of these books like also just think about like friendship so like i i remember vividly um you know reading about kit and how she like makes friends with the boy um who comes to stay with her and also how she's friends with ruthie and you you know like there's like a lot of bonds of french i mean like like kirsten's book she's broken hearted over marta's death and i was broken hearted a little bit and and you know we've we've talked about like bonding with our moms a little bit and you know my sister and i played together and i always quote this book but you know between women um does focus on like victorian women's relationships but it really like reminds me every time about how like women have interacted with dolls with themselves and how like women centered stories and like relationships between women are so important to the everyday life of women throughout history well i have one last question before um oh, no. <laughs> things just to, well from just things that i was researching today for this episode that like you know before we, we i mean this is gonna be a long episode but, I, but i'm learning a lot so i'm enjoying it but okay so given everything that we've talked about 
and the history of these dolls and what they've meant to you and from the fashion to the body positivity to the ethnicity positivity such that it is to teaching you to be a good little american consumer at age nine um can someone please explain the underwear controversy to me please (laughs) because this was a hole i fell in this afternoon that i'm like oh my god this is a thing and I mean, can you can you summarize the, the underwear controversy for us? Okay, now? my understanding, your afternoon of deep research. Yeah. Okay. So my understanding is what happened was at some point in 2017, the company decided to redesign the bot, the physical bodies of American Girl dolls for the first time in you know decades. And one of the changes, that, or I guess the first change they had done was they'd moved the fabric of the of the body, the material of the body to be more flesh colored instead of just the head and that's apparently a, a pretty early change and then the body stays relatively constant until like 2017 where the company makes an announcement that from here on out the the pelvis of the of the american girl doll body will now have and i don't know why they announced this and didn't just do it but they announced on their facebook that the pelvis would now have um underwear built in like stitched in they um so the girls are now parent permanently wearing panties um and then people had like a shitstorm of oh my god no but they did it anyway and this lasts for several months of just constant complaints from the fans till eventually the company relents and goes backwards and says no okay we've heard you the dolls will be naked again <laughs> and and so, they fixed I, it and, and oh me, my god i have so many I questions let me let me, let me let me put note this real quick because i think it's okay. important this the change they said will affect all of the truly me dolls the b forever characters julie melody and mary ellen and some of our contemporary dolls to come so it wasn't from what they didn't I, change the originals you're saying well like the original some of the originals have been retired for a while but I, i'm saying yeah. like it didn't affect all the historical dolls which i think is important important note for this discussion which i think gives insight into why they made this decision okay i think it has to do with with clothing construction so for people who don't know about like and i think monica you were talking about this earlier like most of the dolls have period appropriate underwear which means older dolls have something akin to like bloomers or like almost like i think like Molly actually had basically had boxers, if I remember correctly. I could be completely off base off that. But anyway, they're more period appropriate gar- undergarments, which tend to be a little bit less form fitting just because we don't have knits yet. Sure. The newer ones, 20th century and the more contemporary and, and more contemporary have like knit stretchy underwear. Mm-hmm. And some of them include elastic. And my assumption, having worked with elastic and having made underwear before, uh, is that it's it's a manufacturing and construction issue. It's that making something that small and fiddly that fits properly and also doesn't disrupt the clothing that goes over it is difficult. It's probably much easier, especially like disrupting the clothing that goes on top of it, I think is especially the big thing because you don't want, like you want the, un- it's not... <laughs> It's not the same as underwear for a human being where you can keep it from shifting around and you can adjust things. It's like it's on the doll. So you don't want like panty lines showing through your doll's dress. So I think it's like I I get the like people freaking out because, you know, whatever reason. But I'm guessing that's why. I have a question, though. Did they when they made the built in underwear? Did they stop me? Because I only know about this from reading a couple of articles today. So I'm not by no means. 
I was the way I was reading it. I was understanding that they were still selling American Girl doll underwear for these dolls that you would wear over the underwear that were built in. I, and I, I, that's why I'm very confused. Well, I think, well, but I think it's Hannah's point is that the modern ones that would historically have the knit underwear have the knit underwear. The okay. historical ones, the change was not made. Okay. Uh, okay. Which might be part of where the controversy is coming from because I can see the people who are really invested in the historical ones thinking that this was the, for the historical dolls as well and then flipping out because it's not it's not period appropriate. Yeah. I okay. So I have a theory. One, the dolls like didn't always come with underwear to start with. Like not every outfit included underwear, which just feels like it's like a new thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing is this is around the time that they're introducing also their male, their first male doll. And they had mm-hmm. sort of like male mm-hmm. babies before, but they never had male nine-year-olds before. And I think mm-hmm. at some point in time uh, that we decided that we had to think about uh, the sexuality of these dolls because there was a point where like interesting lines didn't matter. Like I have an outfit that um, Samantha came from that is just a coat and a scarf. Like mm-hmm. um, there was no dress and none of her dresses, like they're all too wide to be worn with this coat because it's cut in a very narrow way. And so like when I would play with her or her, her winter coat was sort of the same. It just came with a winter coat. There was never anything that like, there was never the equivalent of like a turtleneck that you would throw under it. She was just naked under that coat um, because mm-hmm. you didn't need that for the imaginative play of it being winter and i feel like Mm -hmm. dolls don't necessarily need underwear for the imaginative play of like being dressed um and so i think that the reason this underwear comes about is because it becomes a gender thing because now they have a male doll Mm -hmm. and there certainly was controversies that we won't give airtime to about male dolls so that yeah, oh God. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. like I said, but, we're moving on. But is that like is that a thing for other? I mean, so I am aware. Um, I have Barbie dolls, right? I, I actually own several, and I am aware that they sell underwear for Barbie dolls. But also, I have watched eight-year-olds play with Barbie dolls and and other baby dolls. You know, American Girl, Cabbage Patch, and I don't recall exactly what Monica just said. I don't recall meeting an eight-year-old who was concerned ever whether her doll had panties on under her outfit or not. Right. Like, um, I it's think just, this is more for the adult consumers mm-hmm. yep. that are okay. buying the dolls yep. for their kids. Yeah. Cause yep. I, cause every, every kid that I've ever seen dress a, a doll from Barbie to cabbage patch to American girl of any size is just like, she's wearing a dress today. I'm putting the dress over her head and yeah. that's done. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think this is a controversy. I don't think the controversy is driven by kids. And I no. also don't think the decision on the part of American girl dolls was made with the girls in mind. I think that okay. was largely, I think actually Monica's theory sounds really compelling to me. Um, it ha- yeah, it had to do with the fact that now we have to think about the gender and sexuality of these dolls in a way that they did not previously. And also think about like what, how parents are responding, especially mm-hmm. in the context of like, how people respond to male dolls, which I think Hannah's right. We probably, that's another episode. Well, I mean, Ken's been around for a long time, you know, so, <sighs> so we've resolved nothing, <laughs> I guess. I mean, 
but I've learned a whole lot. I, I, you know, like I I, do more toy episodes. Yeah, I I think that like loving American Girl, um, as a person who stayed the 19th century for too long, uh, just it's complicated. Um, there's a lot of complicated feelings about it, and just you know, generally being a human who's an adult now. It's fascinating that it is this weird fandom for lack of a better term I mean, this is a, we, you know our show is pop culture it's not always going to be superheroes and mm-hmm. i love the amount of between the lore of what american girl dolls are to the collector's market to the utter nerd rage of how dare you change the way underwear work you know it just goes to show that the nerd rage is universal across all yeah. hobbies it just yeah. manifests in different ways Right. That's exactly what I was getting at. And and like yeah. I know, I mean, well, Hannah, you're not, you're you're studying Victorian literature. Like I've been to conferences where I've watched people, you know, well, okay, they don't come to blows the way nerds do sometimes because they're culture sophisticated and mostly mm. 70. But but maybe or maybe you've seen them actually fight. I've not, you know. not but like yeah. you know. there's there's like some apocryphal story that Emily is not my field about Edgar Allan Poe and mm-hmm. there's um a mystery story and there's right. an orangutan and apparently you, you do not bring that up ever. Well at a conference. So, yeah, but anyway, that sort of thing. And and I just I love the amount of it's what I mean, it's what I love about this show. This is not my fandom, obviously. It's not something that I knew a lot about, but like just spending this week sort of reading up on it and deep diving it and listening to both from you know, the three of you knowing more about the, you know, academic histor historical accuracy of the stuff, as well as just the on a personal level, the personal relationship with of nostalgia that you have for them is interesting to me and fascinating that, you know, so I learned a lot. So it was fun for nobody else. It was fun for me. <laughs> and I edit the show. So the, so the listeners have to deal with it. <laughs> it was fun for me, too, as your guest. For the record. Oh, thank you. Oh, and thanks for joining us, Monica. Um, anything you want to plug, let people know about, you know, you should, well, you should tell people because we, you know, we, we hinted about a, a lot about the fact that you are a fashion historian um, and I know what you do. Tell the people what you do. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, so I'm a fashion historian, but uh, the thing that I specialize in specifically is uh superhero fashion and when i say that i don't mean uh cape and tights superhero fashion what i mean is that i study the civilian clothing that is worn by superheroes when they're out of costume mm-hmm. uh, and i do that for both comics and uh their film and television adaptations. Please tell me we're doing a show on that i monica can come back whenever she wants to do the show on it <laughs> i would, I would that, yeah that, let's do a show on it we'll just let you monologue for an hour <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure it would be fine <laughs> um where can people find you if they want to learn more uh they can find me on uh instagram or on twitter under the uh handle monica marvelous and she'll be linked in the show notes palindrome hannah what about you well actually i was on a podcast last week uh oh my god in a perfect world or are you on every show every week no um 
<laughs> I, if you really want to hear me deep dive into a specific 19th century text, uh, the protagonist podcast, Let Me Fulfill My Dream, and talk about Charles Dickens's Little Dorrit for an hour. I don't know how the listeners feel about that, um, but I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. Anyway, it's a 900 page book. It's a good episode. Everybody should go listen to it. <laughs> I didn't pick Clarissa. That would have just been mean. That's the longest book in the English language. Um, Katya, where can people find you? Uh, you can occasionally find me on Instagram at just that nerd kid. But uh, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> really, I'm just here mostly. And I'm Animal Crossing. <laughs> I guess you could probably find me on my Animal Crossing island, but you'd have to like message me on Instagram for my my dodo code well, there you go there's a reason to connect oh. with Katya on instagram uh, <laughs> you can follow me on twitter or instagram or facebook all of the places always at chris maverick you can follow the show all those same places at fox popcast where you can oh you can follow exciting the you know at fox popcast now works on youtube which is the thing that i've been waiting for the longest time so um twitter instagram facebook youtube always at vox popcast that gets you to um our social media you can also follow the show's blog at www.foxpopcast.com where you find out about what we're talking about next week. I don't even know what we're talking about next week. We need to figure that out. But we post blogs, we post calls for comments, we ask you to contribute your ideas and your thoughts so that we can talk about them on the air like we did today. Um, and sometimes we pick guests from, you know, from those as well. So give us your thoughts. And if you enjoy the show, and we certainly hope you do. Otherwise, why are you still here through all this nonsense that you know, we do at the end of the show? Um, but thank you for sticking around. And we thank you even more if you do us a favor and write us a five star review, especially on Apple Podcasts. That helps people find the show by tweaking the algorithm, makes us more popular, yada, yada, yada. Subscribe to the show on on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from. And once again, subscribe to our YouTube channel show. This should be a really interesting show to do on YouTube because there's a lot of doll pictures. and You know, they'll be interesting to look at. So um, I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Monica for joining us. I'd like to thank you at home for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.